0: Okay, so uh, we already heard uh, a little recap from last week, but let me just run you through uh, those uh, five things that you had the opportunity to uh, ask God for to help you. And uh, it was to ask the question and listen to the answer, that was one, and... This was The idea of this was that you maybe picked one or more and said, Lord, this is what I really want to see as a development for me this week. Second one was to be personally vulnerable. We heard about Jesus with the woman at the well actually asking for a drink. The third was acceptance, a, a measure of, of, of a heart of compassion that accepts people, that means you can communicate with people that you wouldn't normally... Uh, respect or like their lifestyle. Next was uh, the operation of spiritual gifts, word of knowledge we were particularly talking about uh, that Jesus had for the woman when he said, uh, go and fetch your husband, was a leading question because he then revealed that she'd had five and the one she had at the moment wasn't a husband. That was all by revelation. And the fifth one was that God-given ability to... Respectfully, take what somebody is saying, take the conversation, uh, and even the issue that particularly bringing it up, bringing up, and steer it uh, into the direction that you want to go. Very, very um, key lessons learning from how Jesus did that. So uh, we ended up last week looking at the fact that this this comes out of, of normal life. Uh, it's not necessarily a specific action. We're looking for those opportunities. And I think, uh, as we were hearing a short time ago from uh, Sarah, that the, in the normal course of things, God can bring about what he actually uh, wants us to do. And uh, we saw that when Jesus was just walking by the sea was the time that he mentioned that he met the disciples And it reminded me of a story that Avril tells when she went on one occasion to Sierra Leone and she was on the notorious, or waiting for the notorious ferry, which is a fairly sort of uh, hive of activity, lots of people trying to either sell you things or um, carry your bags and earn some pennies there. She was with Richard Cole, and she watched Richard Cole and he got quite tearful she said what's happening so i'm i'm looking at all these kids there's always a lot of kids there i'm just asking god as one of these now for me to approach now the compassion stretched wider uh, but he was asking and it wasn't one that he should he should speak to at that time and this this Commitment to walk with Jesus, uh, both in heart and in action, is very, very key to uh, this spirit of adventure harvest. We saw that it was often, not always, that Jesus opened a conversation. We were talking about that you spoke about fishing to fishermen. It's interesting. Uh, If you were going to choose people that were going to turn the world upside down, you wouldn't necessarily choose people that uh, their experience of life was just fishing. But God chooses people according to his choice, not according to this world's value system. And uh, I, it just always takes me back to the story of this, uh, this guy that when I was working with the different um, addicts and street guys and driving along one day with three or four of them in my car, going down Heathway in Dagenham, And uh, I saw this guy walking along, and it, it was a bit strange. He was walking a bit strange, and he had this... this uh, milk was in bottles in those days, so I am talking about a former time, you know. Um, but he's drinking from this milk bottle, and he was sort of walking along quite sort of strident. And I said, who's that? Because they kind of knew everybody. Oh, you don't? Want, no, no, he's crazy. You don't want to waste time with him. But I felt God say, "I did." So I did a U-turn and swung back. And this was the guy that I think had the most amazing, eventually, the most amazing uh, experience of meeting with God in a life-changing way. Yes, he was an addict. He was an ex-prize fighter. His face was. Pretty messed up as a result of that. He was homosexual, he was illiterate. Uh, I mean, just his life was a mess. But you see, the God that we love, Almighty God, can take any mess and turn it around. And therefore, the issue is not the mess, the issue is coming to Jesus. And this guy, I mean, supernaturally learned to read. And uh, he's the one I've told you about before. Uh, He didn't learn Christian language, but he was excited about God. And all of a sudden, in a meeting, all he knew was, God bless you. And in a meeting, we suddenly shout out, God bless God. Uh, And people didn't want to sit too close to him because he was a little bit embarrassing. But it was a time when there was such a powerful... Move of God and presence of God, uh, and he was he was part of that. So, you see, God chooses people like you, <coughs> people like me. I don't think I would have chosen me. So we just have to be led by what God is is saying and doing. And when we are in that situation, there comes a point of a boldness. Um, a boldness to actually pick up what God is saying and doing. Uh, a boldness that isn't, isn't deterred by what if. Uh, and he was bold. He, Jesus said, come follow me. Um, the, the, the kingdom of heaven, God's requirement, the lordship of Jesus, all these things... Uh, They kind of cut through the periphery of of talking about religion or church or any of that stuff because that doesn't really bring people to Jesus. The truth of the matter is, as we keep coming back to, we're carrying very, very, very good news. And it's very, very key that we are constantly in that place of recognising how good the good news is. When we come and we worship and we hear what God's done, as Hans started off this morning, uh, it, it helps us to, to kind of renew and refresh uh, the goodness of the good news, how fantastic it is. And that's what we need to communicate. Alongside, of course, uh, Jesus gave, gave samples of the kingdom. Uh, we're talking about a supernatural encounter. Let's, let's not, never be afraid of looking to God for that supernatural. I talked about it last week in terms of uh, the young man who was willing to take up the offer, let God reveal himself to you. And that was very dramatic, not always dramatic like that, but God will reveal himself. And samples and signs of the kingdom, healing and revelation. But let's come back to what we've covered before in as much as do you remember a uh, couple of weeks ago, I asked you how many of you came to know Jesus or were introduced through a meeting or through an event or through a crusade? And there was, you know, maybe half a dozen. How many of you were introduced through a friend or a relative or somebody that spoke to you or invited you into something? And that was the overwhelming proportion. And I think that's a common factor. It's not peculiar to us. That most people that come to know Jesus come as a result of being invited or spoken to by somebody that knew them, by somebody that had some measure of connection and relationship with them. We sometimes call it friendship evangelism. (coughs) The other thing is this... um, you remember the Bible talked about uh, Paul sowed, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You might be at the beginning part of a process, or the middle part, or you may be at the end part. But if we do what God gives us to do, you frankly don't need to worry about anything else. We're being faithful to what he gives us to do. Uh, I think if you think about the illustration that Jesus used um, and remember it's it's by him, it's to him, it's for him. This is not, not for us, we're not trying to improve our Christian credentials. This is about what we're doing for him, because he loved us and called us. And if you think about the picture that I often used about the farming thing, you know, when the farmer sows his seed, he doesn't go there a couple of days after and dig it up to see if it's doing all right. There's he, he has to trust that. To the elements and to the to the ground, uh, a sense of um, leaving that into his into his purpose and I think some of the stories we hear do you remember a story a little while ago that Judy and Beck Coles were telling us about the neighbor? Do you remember that story? how Judy had talked to the neighbor, and then, unbeknown to that, Beck Coles goes to rescue the neighbor who 's been uh, attacked or approached by somebody trying to get a, a handbag and then they find out subsequently it's the same person it, it, see basically uh, we have opportunity to be part and sometimes we're only interested in one part but God says you know, this is the part that I've given you to be and the issue of that attitude to be uh, alongside and friendly uh, I'm very pleased uh, that these days um, Julie joins us. Uh, Julie was, uh, I first knew her, I think it was probably in the 80s when we were doing gospel outreach type of thing down in Dagenham. And she was one of those who, who came in with a, a group of young people at that time. And I was talking to her the other day, and you know the thing that stood out to me? It wasn't so much that, I mean, the gospel preaching, oh man, it was it was fantastic. Uh, and the gospel service, I mean, it was mind blowing. It kind of wasn't that. There was somebody, happened to be Dawn's late father, who got alongside, cared, showed interest. And again and again, we see that, that it's possible to make that initial connection, but there's you know, we're just celebrating the birth of another baby. Well, that's an exciting thing, but there's quite a lot of stuff to do as a result of having a new baby, in the natural. So in the, in the spiritual, an engagement like that, coming alongside is critical uh, and really important um, in order to see what God really deserves. They really belong to him. So we find, we look to find that entry point, God's leading, God's wisdom, and recognise, and this is where I want us to come back to. See, if, if, we're, if it's the compassion of Christ, there comes along with that the empowering and the equipping to do what he wants. This is not about here you are and pushed you out in an open boat without oars. This is willingness to step into his purpose and then see what he will do. And there's a story that has always I don't know I tried to research it to see how factually based it was. Uh, And I got back a certain way but I, I couldn't really determine it. And it's around the fact that that Love finds a way. And that's what I want us to get hold of. That where there's a compelling compassion, it's amazing what we will do, what anybody will do, because love finds a way. And that's the most important thing. The story is that way back uh, many, many years ago, when it came to harvest time, and I think this was in the Hebrides, um, everybody had to sort of, there was a, a short window of opportunity and everybody had to engage in the harvest. And it was not unknown for a mother to take um, a young baby and in a cot or whatever it was, they had basket then. And um, there was lots of people around helping the harvest, so she could also join in the work. It was all, all hands to the pump, as it were. and. On this particular occasion, um, she was working away, and there's suddenly a scream that goes up, and an eagle has come down and snatched this baby and has taken the baby up to its to its nest. And various people uh, seek to climb up this cliff face to, to get to, to rescue the baby, which is obviously going to be food for the eaglets. And, even uh, people that were, we're talking uh, you know, t- sailors used to climb in the rigging and all that sort of thing. But one by one, they couldn't make it. Eventually, the mother, um, in her uh, extreme concern, uh, she actually had a go. And lo and behold, she gets up, rescues the baby, and amazingly gets back down again. All of that to say... There's something consuming, there's something compelling when love is involved. You can't just sort of sit by and let things just happen. And that's what God has promised and does and will equip us with. The number one ingredient is compassion and heart. And I can't tell you enough that the thing is, I guess if most of us were honest, we'd say, you know, I could do with a bit more of that. And uh, that's, that's a very good thing to ask God for. Lord, can I know something more of your heart? Yeah, it's dangerous because it can mess up your life. Uh, can I know something more of your compassion? But it's a very good prayer to pray. And I think we could issue written guarantees that if you pray that prayer, God will answer. Yeah? Better than praying for a pink Rolls Royce or something like that, you know? You might, that may, it may happen, but... Number one ingredient. And then that question that we, we, because we're moving out of compassion, how... How can I help you? Is there something only God can do? Um, Is there something that I can pray for, serve you in a particular way, a friend that genuinely cares where there's real compassion, and prays into, as God prompts us, we're praying into something. See, we can't come up with a system for this. There's no system. if you look in Matthew chapter nine, it's looking at Jesus approaching different people. In verse four, he knows their thoughts. I know what you're thinking. There's revelation going on right there. In verse twenty-two, he talks about take heart. It's like a a, a word that is helping to bring forth that faith. In verse 23, he does something completely different. He takes control of the environment. There's all this noise and commotion going on, and he decides that in order to actually show what God is like, he needs to take control. That's very, very different to where he started off. In verse 29, this is all in a sequence. In verse 29, he's touching the eyes of blind men, and they are receiving their sight. I mean, there's a pretty significant variety. So we can't come up with a with a system there that th- these are the things. And uh, that's why some of the approaches that we were, many of us were taught in the past are limited because they don't allow for what God is saying and doing in a particular situation. So let's have a little look at how we overcome some of the 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 problems or objections uh, in sharing the good news of the gospel. Let's keep focused. The very most important main question, aside from everything else, is the fact that Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and because he'd been willing to suffer and been obedient unto death, God made him Lord over all. So the big question, beyond anything else, is if God made Jesus Lord, where does that leave you? Lord over all. Does he have that authority? That's the question that is absolutely paramount. In fact, it's far more important than whether somebody's lifestyle is good, bad or indifferent. Sometimes people say, well, I'm pretty good, you know, I, I... I help my neighbour or I don't kick the dog or whatever. Basically, it's not anything to do with bad or good behaviour. That's irrelevant. And of course, this is where our personal testimony, uh, how we met and what it means to know Jesus, is something which you can't speak against somebody's experience. You can try and undermine it, but basically... Uh, this is my experience. It's like we were saying last week, the man who'd uh, been healed, he said, look, I don't know about all this stuff. What I do know is once I was blind, now I can see. You know, there's something about personal experience that's very, very important, very compelling. Nobody can really argue against that. Then, of course, we've got to recognise that we're doing this for him, and the challenge, of risk, <coughs> the rebuff, um, the disappointment, the ridicule, whatever it may be, we can't really afford to take that personally. can't really afford to be put off by that. And uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite innovative, some of the names that um, I've been called over the years uh, by people who weren't really readily accepting that. And sometimes, I kind of think. As a guy who said to me, you know, the problem with you is your compass always points in the same direction. I thought, thank you, Jesus. You know, I wanted that to be, and I wanted him to actually see that there was something that was completely solid and steadfast in the goodness and power of God. That was quite polite compared with some of the things which we don't need to go into now. Uh, <laughs> See, we can't afford to, to, to just allow personal feelings because we're about a commissioning from the Most High God. And of course, you remember that how we are is really what communicates. We can use all sorts of words, but how we are is is key and critical, how we are in terms of if our peace and joy is, is there, operating in our life, then peace and joy is what will be communicated. You know, we communicate forget how many words, we communicate what we are. You know, we can say, I am totally at peace but if you are not at peace you're never ever really going to communicate that uh, it's so important that we find that we live in that place of joy and peace and when people see that, that will speak more than many of the words we can say and remember we've always already said that God finds a way where there is no way I, I as I've told you um, had Christian parents, um, was brought up under a very sort of legalistic brand of Pentecostalism. Most of it is pretty strong on legalism. Never really had an experience of of God. And so uh, when I got the opportunity to depart from those things, I did. And uh, went to... Uh, enjoy fully what this world has to offer, but of course I was surrounded by a family that had this sort of hardline evangelistic thing, you know. So I built a defence, and the defence was uh, a level of um, reaction or aggression that meant. You, you needed to take your courage in both hands before you even talked to me. So I built this thing uh, so that there was, there was one distant aunt that would still write to me every so often and, and I would react furiously. Um, but she was very faithful. So what did God do? Because love finds a way. See, my friends and the group I was involved with were very important to me because I'd cut off from everything else. And he found an amazing, marvellous way to cut me off from these friends over, actually, funnily enough, talk about uh, hypocrisy over an issue of integrity Uh, when we were living a life that was not really commending the Prince of Integrity. See, he cut me off from that. And then he introduced me to things that I'd not seen before. Somebody came from America and they brought the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. Now, many of you have read it, but it wasn't even in this country at that time. And when I read that, I read about the God of Miracles. I knew about the God of Miracles in the Bible And I'd heard lots of it about the God of Miracles in the 1930s with my mother and grandfather and that talking about um, the George and Stephen Jeffreys and the miraculous crusades then. But I'd never seen it. And all of a sudden, I'm cut off from those very, very key influences. That's where my life was. And I'm being, at the same time, introduced to something. And then somebody else came, and they brought uh, an LP of music that you had never heard in the church before. I quite liked it. I mean, you would probably laugh at it now, but it was something... See, all I'm saying is, God's pretty smart. And if we do the thing that he gives us to do... It's all part of Him finding a way in order to reach into the fulfilling of His purpose. So it's not about the quality of our presentation or our message, although we want to do our best because we're doing it for Him. So we have to be careful not to get condemned about that. We also need to recognize that we are being used of God to reach people who are trapped who are blind, who are are caught up in something that we've been set free from. So it's not good not to have mercy. There's no point in condemning. And it's good to remember that we're bringing good news. So let's have a little look. That's just how we can go about it and how we overcome problems. What about some of the objections? Well, we could have taken a lot of sessions on the, the classic objections. But to be perfectly honest, I take the view that I don't think anybody yet ever came to Christ because somebody beat them at argument. I don't think it works like that. If it did, it wouldn't be a supernatural experience. Now, we have a role to play, and it's good to be able to give a reason of the hope that lies within us. But the fact that we can give smart answers to things, or even helpful answers, doesn't actually do it. So the things that we're talking about, the compassion the importance, the readiness to listen, to care, to share, the operation of spiritual gifts is far more important. Remember, it's our job to present, to invite. It's not our job to choose. So by talking to somebody about the good news of the gospel, it's my role, my joy, my privilege to present it, to invite somebody. But it's their role to choose. I can't choose for them. They have to choose. They have to choose that they're willing to accept that there was this man, this Jewish man, that died and is 2,000 years ago and is alive today. And the willingness or the readiness to say, I will believe that opens up the doorway for God's anointing, God's supernatural ability that born-again experience which allows us not only to believe that but to accept the ramification of that that he is to be our Lord. That's the born-again experience. That's what God does by the power of his Spirit. So what about all the suffering? Children abused, disasters? Well, number one, i don't know that God's ever called me to defend him. I'm not God's counsel for defence. He's, he's quite big. He's able to defend himself. So I don't feel... Or to explain him, or to have all the answers, in, including why did he not intervene, think he should have. But I do remember... you remember in the book of Job, when Job is, is kind of... Uh, Bemoaning his his position. Goes on for about four chapters. And then God sort of turns around and says, uh, Do you want to swap places? I mean it's not exactly like that, but that's basically what we say. Do you want to have a go? Do you think you can do a better job? It's a bit of a sobering thought, you know? Do you want to take over the whole shebang? Yeah. So uh, the the issue of not trying to defend God. Um, it's very, very important. Recognising it's not going to help someone to resolve the real issue as to what will you do with Jesus. And of course, the true basic for that is that because Adam sinned, the plan of God for his world was messed up and God's resolve was to send Jesus. And it brings us right back to who Jesus is and what he's done and in fact in Romans 8 it's very interesting because it goes on to talk about the whole of creation that creation was basically messed up as well and so the things that happened because the prince of this world was able to take control now because that is, that is a, a, a subject comes up more in our next hot topic in the new year. We're going to cover that subject then in in more detail. But we won't get any more of of an answer than the fact that it comes as a result of Adam's sin. And the true resolve is what God did. How about this one? So you think, if I don't follow Jesus, I'll go to hell. That's what you think. Hmm. Well, I don't decide who goes to hell. I'm pretty glad that I don't have to have that role. Because the Bible tells me the Lord of the harvest decides between the wheat and the chaff. I don't decide that. But there is a way to be absolutely sure and certain, and that way comes back again to what Jesus has done. One way to make sure. So what I think really doesn't come into it, but there is a way to make sure. All Christians are hypocrites. Um, And in history, even in the present, many have committed atrocities. So let's think, a hypocrite is a, an actor who pretends to be something he isn't. That's a hypocrite, yeah? In fact, Jesus, some of his harshest words were for hypocrites. And uh, he has no place for them. But of course, nobody's been asked to follow Christians. We're talking again and coming back to the fact we're saying about submitting the lordship of Jesus about following Jesus not about following Christians and Christianity is just a religion it's a waste of time Uh, it's not what we're talking about we're talking about relationship with Jesus which comes about when we accept to live under his rule Uh, of course if Jesus himself was a hypocrite then we're all We're all lost. No hope at all. But, of course, he wasn't, and he proved that. Well, I don't really need Christianity. It's just a crutch for some people that are weaker uh, emotionally. They they need that. I don't need it. Actually, a true Christian is very strong because their strength comes from God. Uh, They have amazing strength. It's not about weakness, it's about the strength that they have. And it's probably true to say that everybody needs assistance in some form or some way. Some people turn to drugs or alcohol or sex or money or power or other people or relationships or possessions. Some people use atheism uh, again as a crutch. For those whose lifestyle would be highly contradictory to God's way. So why would a loving God send people to hell? Well, we're back to that same question. Jesus made the provision for nobody to have to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish. Uh, He made the provision. People who refuse that provision make their own choice. So... There are probably other uh, objections as well. I've decided not to really spend that amount of time on it because I think it it takes us down a bunny trail. Uh, And you can look up other things, but actually you'll find that most of them fall into those kind of categories in different form or another. So let's summarise on our approach. Jesus, Matthew 11 tells us, was called a friend of sinners a friend of sinners. In other words, there was, there was a warmth that people from all sort of diverse backgrounds could find and could approach him. And a true friend says what's necessary. And he did. And what if there's some awkward silence or friends avoid me if I've introduced Jesus into the conversation well, that can't deflect us. People need to still see and know our friendship. But again, we come back to the three things that we're looking A commission from God. Jesus commissioned us. A compassion that we must have as a vital, necessary ingredient. And frankly, a cost that we're willing to pay. And sometimes the cost is we're not the most popular person on the block because we're about doing what he wants and seeking to show his love. Then overcoming the issue of fear. uh, Offending people, maybe people from other faiths. See, I'm not really interested. I've never asked anybody to change their religion. I've always said, well, you can have whatever religion you like, because i completely taken up with the fact that they are all a waste of time. They're there to try and get you somewhere, and they will never, ever achieve that, because there is only one, only one way, and that's the way that Jesus set out and he said, I am the way, the truth. And the life, and that is not about a religion. That's about a relationship. And then sometimes people think, well, I don't know if if they were to become a Christian, how would they fit into our church, where they may never come into our church? One of the things we had to come to terms with when we started reaching into the community, uh, and it was quite quite a revelation for me. Uh, when I began to see that somebody could become a follower of Jesus without being in this meeting, raising their hands in worship and paying their tithes. And we began to see that there are some people that we are totally convinced became followers of Jesus, whether they're still <laughs> following the Muslim thing or whatever, neither here nor there. Uh, that isn't my concern. Uh, So it's not about changing a religion. I have to say to people, be whatever religion you want. Um, To me, it's like, you know, vote for whichever party you want. Stepping that particular issue. In addition to which, if we're loving somebody, we're communicating compassion and acceptance. I mean... Look around. What a mixed bunch we are. You're not all like me. I know you wish you were, but you're... you're Would you believe that once we were predominantly white middle class? And there was a big thing coming out of the church growth movement that was... Basically, say, you expand along your own people group. When I read that, when I saw that, and it was, became very popular it was quite a few years ago, I said, no way. By the grace of God, we will not do that. Because we want to represent the richness, different cultures, different backgrounds, different, different uh, stratas of society. And I think today we're much closer to that. And by the grace of God, we will become more closely aligned to that as we reach out to all types and all people because they're those that Jesus died for. We're not going to ever determine things on the basis of dress or language or culture. Do you remember that time when, uh, some of you remember this, you'll remember this, uh, when there was a church that were all deaf people and they, they felt that they would like to join with us. Do you remember the adaptations we made? And a number of you learnt signing then. And uh, I think that, that was, a, was a prophetic statement of an attitude to go beyond. Uh, in the same way as we talk about um, Bob Baker uh, when he came and was almost apologetic that he couldn't be like a proper Christian being in all the meetings. And we felt, no, no, you're called to the education system and we will support you in that. And uh, that's what we did. Even though it meant walking round the school in the pouring rain and praying against vandalism and things like that, which wouldn't have been my first choice. But what a great... Testimony, that became as well. Remember, our, our role is, is not about leading to people to become like us, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm very honoured to see that some of you are, you know, coming more like us, you know. <laughs> right, Neil? <laughs> Simon, that's a good star man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, that's not what it's about. Uh, we lead people to the answer. We're not the answer. We lead people to the answer. It's very important. So we're looking at different approaches. For some people, praying for healing, uh, for somebody is is something they easily move to. Others would pick up on a particular truth in the Bible. Some would get practically alongside. I mean, it's, God uses us in the way in which he's made us as well. Some people um, would be very practical and they would show their love and introduce what they're bringing through practical help, and DIY and things like that. So we're looking at the compassion of Jesus and looking at the variety as well. Uh, just, let's, let me just give you some stats. Um, in nine cases... In the Bible, the conversation with somebody was initiated by Jesus, including the one we looked at with the Samaritan woman. In 25 cases, the other party started the conversation. That's like the rich young ruler came to him. Where did it take place? Well, often in the sort of workplace, Matthew 4, James and John, or in homes in Peter's house, not often in what was called religious places. Often Jesus asked questions, like he asked the Pharisees in Luke chapter 6. So what do we, what do we learn from that? Let me just go through it. Jesus knew how and when to take initiative. Jesus responded to the initiative of others. Somebody came, said something, asked something. He left room in his, in his life for those sort of interruptions, uh, those requests for help. He usually met people on their own turf, out where they were, interested in establishing that common ground with others. I'd like us to um, conclude with this verse from Matthew 9 and then we're going to pray. Matthew 9. I'm reading from verse 32. Let me just take him to verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness Into his harvest field, clear instruction. And I thought, since we're looking at this spirit of adventure harvest, this would be the point that I think we should come to—to ask the Lord of the Harvest to send out workers into His harvest field. And whenever we do that, I like to add a bit. Could I be included? Could I be included? Yeah? So we pray that. Do you want the Lord of the harvest to send you out into his harvest field? To commission you afresh? To grant you that compassion? Yes? Yeah? Then it's you to join in this prayer. I will lead us in prayer, but you've got to join in. Lord, me also. If it helps you to stand up or raise your hand or whatever, I don't care, do whatever you want to do. But what I'm interested in is you decide if you want to be included because we ain't going to pray for the sake of praying. We don't need a prayer to finish the teaching. We're basically praying because we ask God to do what his word tells us. Yes? All right. Lord of the harvest, we're doing what you told us to do. We're asking you, therefore, Because you see the fields are white. You see the harvest is ready. You see the harvest is vast. Lord, will you help us? Will you equip us? Will you send us out afresh as workers into your harvest field? Lord, with that commissioning, with that compassion, with that willingness to pay the cost, Lord, we ask in these days that you would grant to us a fresh drive, enthusiasm, a new burden, Lord, that you would send us into your harvest field. Lord, not out of a duty, but out of a love for you. Not out of a need, but out of, Lord, the need that we have to serve you as we have opportunity. Lord, into our different situations, into our different lives, into our different skills and abilities and placings, We ask Lord that you would send us as workers into your harvest field that we might have the joy of being used of you in this most critical and important commission as we seek to be and ask you to make us to be those who are commissioned in a whole new fresh way to reach into your harvest field in this season that you've announced upon us, Lord, we cry out to you. We ask, Lord, for a compassion that disturbs our status quo. We ask, Lord, for a commissioning that comes with a boldness that we're almost shocked at what we get up to. We ask, Lord, for a willingness that comes from you to enable us to embrace the cost. Lord, the disturbance to our lives whatever it may be in order that we might be those sent out into a harvest field that we might come bringing with us precious sheaves fruit of the harvest for the glory of your name amen